Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of It's Everything with me, your hostess, B.B. Sweetbriar, and um, it is a wonderful Sunday of October, October 9th. Last weekend was a wonderful weekend. We had Castro Street Fair here in San Francisco. The weather was a little gloomy, but other than that, uh, we've moved on into a bigger and brighter day, hopefully. I don't know, but I know I have a good day going on right here because I have some great guests for you, and hopefully the information that we talk about today will be of interest to you. I'm pretty sure it will, but I just have to, you know, say that kind of a, as a disclosure, you know, a claim to make sure you know that you're listening and that your feelings are definitely important to me. So, but I think you're going to enjoy this because it's about a couple of things, the nightlife um, uh, beyond the greater San Francisco area. Um, I've got guests from Oakland, California wonderful Oakland, and I have a guest here from San Francisco later in the uh, program. But first, I'm going to go across the bay because I think a lot of times when we think about San Francisco, I think a lot of times Oakland gets a kind of the short end of the stick when it comes to their contribution to nightlife and just social things in general. Um, San Francisco, of course, is um, pretty much thought of as the social being of the Bay Area. And then because San Jose is the largest city in our big uh, conglomerate of cities here in the Bay Area, um, they get a lot of attention as well. But then Oakland sometimes just gets kind of forgotten unless it's something, you know, totally out of the left field that comes on on the radar. But there's a lot going on in Oakland, and I think a lot of it is because there's just a lot of people moving there, first of all, and, um, you know, which makes the city kind of thriving right now. And uh, part of that thriving uh, uh, social scene that's going on is a brand new bar that opened up in early July. Uh, and I just love it. It's one of my favorite places today as we speak. And the gentleman who opened the bar and built the bar um, happened to be friends of mine. So I'm going to also put that disclosure out there because we believe in transparency out there. Um, are, are on the phone with me. I have Sean Sullivan and Richard Fuentes on the phone. How are you guys doing? This is Richard. Uh, we're doing well. Oh, well, that's good. That's here, good. Uh, Sean, are you there? Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. Well, welcome, guys, owners of the hottest spot in the Bay um, at the Port Bar. No, I. you know, I'm not even saying that in jest. I'm really saying that because it happens to be true. Um, you know, there's been so much going on with the bar. You guys kind of opened it running and haven't stopped you guys are just going at full throttle full, full throttle and i think a lot of people out there are kind of impressed on how you've been able to make such a major dent in the nightlife scene um in oakland in particular but of course also in the bay area because you've been attracting people from all across the bay um at such a quick and early stage of being you know open um what do you have to say to that I, mean, I think people are very impressed with that Oh, thank you. Well, this is Sean, and I have to, I, I really appreciate that compliment and that recognition from you, B, because you really have 
uh, all fingers on all pulses around the Bay Area, as you said. And we, are, we have been connected to the community for most of our time here. Uh, I've been here for 15 years, Richard for just over a decade here uh, in the Bay Area. And um, we have been very involved in the community from uh, the nonprofit community that motivated us to get more involved politically. Um, and uh, we uh, have met so many people in the Bay Area nightlife community. Uh, between Richard and I, we've produced over uh, 200 events, uh, mostly in the political and nonprofit arena. And uh, we got to meet so many people uh, in, this, in this area. Uh, so that gave us a firm foundation to start this bar with. Uh, I had uh, bartending and uh, uh, service industry experience uh, from my mom who had a similar business, uh, although not a brick and mortar uh, service business, but uh, we both had the opportunity overseeing uh, construction projects, uh, real estate projects. So that gave us this experience to come into this project, uh, but we were really grounded in the community and uh, and that's kind of and that's and that's kind of where I want to start with because that rootedness in the community, um, you guys actually pulled upon that a lot in the beginnings of this with getting um, uh, focus groups involved with what they wanted to see in a local bar, um, you know, down to the name of 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 the bar. And that's kind of, I think, unheard of from a local standpoint, you know, with the owners really digging that deep to say, um, we're really doing this because we're serving, we think, a, a, um, a, 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 we're doing a service to the community, but there's something missing in the community. And in order for us to do it right and to make sure that we fill that hole or that gap, I'm going to need your input because... We don't want to be open today and closed tomorrow because it's not what you wanted. You know what I mean? Um, and so what did those focus groups in particular, like Richard, what did those focus groups, um, uh, just what did you get out of those? What, what in particular did you get out of those? Um, you know, the focus groups, I think, are really the foundation of, of our business plan mm -hmm. and what guided us to from developing the cocktail menu to the aesthetic. And you nailed it when you said the name, the Port Bar. Mm -hmm. It really reflects the diversity that Oakland has to offer. Mm -hmm. And we began by doing focus groups with men in their 20s and their 30s, 40s and plus. We did the same with women. And we really wanted to have not our friends in the focus group. Because when you have your friends, they're kind of going to tell you what they what you want to hear right but we had a uh, diversity of all uh people who live in oakland and various generations that had lived in oakland sharing with us what they wanted to see uh inside this bar and things that we heard from them was they wanted a space that was cozy mm -hmm. uh, they wanted a space that reflected oakland as a city Mm -hmm. They wanted to see a space where they could feel comfortable coming with their straight girlfriends mm -hmm. from work. They wanted to be able to bring their straight friends. And they wanted to have a place that wasn't your typical 
bar from the Castro or a bar from West Hollywood. They really wanted to see something that looked, felt, and was open. And through those focus groups, we, we got all the information and we developed our business plan. And our business plan was focused on what we heard. Yeah. And based on what we heard, we've been able to reach out. And that really spoke of our crowdfunding when we needed to get the bar open to see whether or not the community would join with us in investing, uh, you know, a little bit of money to try to help us uh, get started uh, through the process. And we had various people who donated anywhere from, you know, $25 to others who did in the thousands to our crowdfunding. And that was able to help us start the project. It helped us get our liquor license uh, application approved. And from there, we began doing construction. And through the entire process, we had site visits with people who donated to the crowdfunding, people who have been involved politically, socially, in Oakland, to show them the project and kind of give us their feedback as we were doing construction. Uh, even through the construction phase, uh, we have our new uh, theme that we call Doc at the Port. And that's because people shared with us, hey, you know, I want to be able to just charge my phone or my laptop right underneath the bar. So even underneath the bar, those electrical outlets and USB ports is because it came from the community. That's what people wanted to see, and we delivered it. Yeah, and it's funny because I've used it almost every time I've been there. So, <laughs> so, so, But that's what I love about this story. And, I, and, and it kind of... It, it, it kind of, I, I'm really blessed that I have an opportunity to talk about this with you all on on my show about it. But this, the way this bar has come about in a huge city, um, to me, is so newsworthy. I think, I mean, I, I Ellen, are you out there? Ellen DeGeneres, are you out there? <laughs> yes, girl. Why aren't you guys, why these people need to reach out to you and utilize what you have done in your community, an urban community, a community that's diverse, a community that needs to have a place where all their differences can get together and not one of them feel um, devalued, if you know what I mean. And, and you guys have done that. You've listened to everybody. And when you go into the Port Bar... You immediately are reminded by all those things that you said, Richard, by just looking at your staff. Your staff represents Oakland. You have every shade of the rainbow, every um, um, identity um, under the sun in that bar working with you. I mean, how can yeah. you, to me, it's always been a bother for me when you go to any company, any store, any, any place uh, open to the public that states that we're here for you and I don't see myself in that company. I don't see myself. I don't walk through the door and immediately see a checker at the the counter that looks like me. I don't see, I don't go to a meeting at a company and see anybody sitting at the, the table that looks like me. Um, but when I go to your bar, I see me. Yeah. And you well, know, that, that, is, that was so, that was so important to us 
you know, as a person of color and Oakland going through this renaissance, as you mentioned earlier, people are moving here from San Francisco. Uh, there's an affordability crisis mm-hmm. throughout the entire Bay Area. And I think that when you look at our bar, you're absolutely right. You see people that reflect the community. And that's because of our social responsibility that I believe Sean and I have, where we have always given back to the community. And we want to make sure that our bar reflects exactly who those uh, who those people are. And, you know, for me, is I've never worked in the uh, service industry, but I worked as a legislative director to the city of Oakland. I came from immigrant parents. You know, my dad just retired working at the Mex- working at a Mexican restaurant uh, just last year after working at the same restaurant for 30 years. My mom continues to work. She's a seamstress. So for me, it's so important that we that we hire people who are from our community, who are from Oakland, and are serving Oaklanders because at the end of the day, Oakland is just a melting pot. And um, just like Mayor Libby Schaff from Oakland says, you know, um, it's that secret sauce of Oakland, and it's exactly, it's that secret sauce that we have as far. It's different, it just showcases the diversity of Oakland. Yeah, well, I'm going to take a quick break because I, I got to pay some bills um, here because it's in, you know, I'm in San Francisco where it's very expensive. So <laughs> we got to pay some bills. But when we come back, I want to talk more about um, some of the things that went into um, getting the bar um, open, including um, the repurposed materials that, you know, uh, were used to build the bar and into uh, the programming that you guys are now offering um, people, the patrons of the bar. So we'll be right back after this moment with Sean Sullivan and Richard Fuentes of the Port Bar in Oakland. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Hey, it's Michelle Miao. It's hard these days not to get a question about when I'm getting married or when I'm having kids. I get it. Marriage equality is legal now. I'm in my 30s and in a committed relationship. Marriage may not have a time limit, but what about having kids? I have a lot I want to accomplish before growing my family, like becoming the next Oprah. If I want to wait, what are my options? Join myself and our partner Pacific Fertility Center for a free seminar on egg freezing November 3rd from 6 to 8 p.m. Register at PacificFertilityCenter.com. Space is limited, so register now. That's PacificFertilityCenter.com. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.ale.com. G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community.
Okay. We're back. We're back. This is BB Sweetbriar with It's Everything, and we are the weekly Sunday segment of uh, the wonderful me, yeah, Michelle Meow Show here on Progressive Voices. Uh, if you're tuning in on TuneIn.com, I appreciate it. But you could be tuning in somewhere else. I'm not quite for sure where, but um, but we are here with a wonderful uh, in a wonderful conversation with two gentlemen who um, have opened up a brand new spot in San Francisco, excuse me, almost in San Francisco and Oakland. And um, not only are these two great gentlemen, but I didn't mention at the beginning of the show that they happen to be a married couple. So, um, you know, they not only are playing together, they work together and they do everything together. This is wonderful. I hope you got a prenup because on you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, um, but I have uh, Richard Fuentes and Sean Sullivan on the line. How are you guys? Are you are you guys still with me? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Great. Yeah. When we left the conversation, um, you were talking. We were talking about uh, the whole community, how you involve the community in getting feedback on what they wanted to see in a community bar, and we talked about that. But I also wanted to expand a little bit because you were talking about how people wanted to see um, a bit of. Oakland in the bar, you know, the history of, of Oakland in the bar, not through only through its people, but I can also see that through the construction of it. Cause you guys actually, when you say this is a part of Oakland, that's no joke because it's resurfaced material or repurposed material, excuse me, that you use in building this in a lot. Once we talk about how that came about and how you thought about even doing that, not only from a cost savings, but just for the nostalgic part of it all. Well, thank you. So this is Sean, and again, it gets to our focus groups. We found that people, whether they were in Oakland three weeks or were third generation, had a real sense of connectedness to this city. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really unique that the people that at least came through our focus groups and continue to walk in our door feel a great sense of pride of place. It's not just a address on an envelope that they get, you know, get mail out, but they are rooted in the city, and they want to be uh, somehow connected to the city's roots, and uh, in so doing, being part of its renaissance and making sure its schools are good and making sure the community is safe. And you go to cafes around the city, and you can always uh, hear conversations about what people are volunteering on and what they're doing in the community. And so that's, that gives me a sense of real pride and really speaks, I think, to Richard's values and my values uh, about public service and community. And we found in the, the focus groups that uh, what represented the city for many people, the iconography, if you will, was the port, it's the crane, the shipping containers, people mm-hmm. also to the lake, uh, which we are just two blocks away from, uh, Lake Merritt here in Oakland. Mm-hmm. But uh, the shipping containers and the materials around our industrial path are uh, real points of pride mm-hmm. for those folks that live here. And Oakland has always been a working-class city. Oakland, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the, the press that Oakland gets. Uh, Oakland is like the home of the protest movement. Mm-hmm. It is the, the home of the, the first national strike. Uh, it is uh, a city that is rooted in justice. Mm-hmm. And uh, that comes from our strong labor community that grew out of the workers at the port and the canneries uh, around the, the port and army base. So we are also the fourth greenest city in the country. And so uh, in throwing the materials uh, 
we wanted to hold true to those roots and those values, and that's what, and we put them to work. Yeah. So we have our, our shipping container uh, wall, um, and our first set of bathrooms inside a real shipping container uh, that we got <laughs> from the port of Oakland. I love that, too. <laughs> Thank you. We were able to get the materials um, at scrap cost, because that's what they were. And uh, so you were right, that saved us uh, some money indeed. And you talk about the transitions of Oakland. Uh, the former Capitol Emporium, which was a huge department store uh, yeah, a, a generation ago, and then when Oakland took a sort of a, a, a sad turn in its downtown life, um, that closed. Sears came in and, and, and bricked over it. And now Sears has gone away in Uber is representing the Renaissance and it's coming in and is buying the, it bought the building and is renovating across the street from us. Mm-hmm. And when they were taking off the 1970s style plaster uh, from outside of the building, I could see this corrugated steel sticking out. And I thought, oh my gosh, I want that. And it now wraps the bar and is also on the back wall of our backside lounge. And the, the steel that is in our bar uh, holding up the bottles, is also from uh, the Sears building. And uh, we just think that that is like our moment in time, right? Between one a generation ago, they were passing from one uh, point of open history to another and sort of plastering over that. And we are about pulling off that plaster and really celebrating Oakland's um, history you while are. living in its present. You're, what is also good is, and I've seen people do this while I've been in there, who have brought people to the bar who aren't from the city and who know the story, who know yeah. all of that. And I've seen them sit there at the bar and actually explain that those exact things as far as, you know, the crate material, the Sears building materials. And it, you can just see how the person they're t- explaining that to, how their eyes light up, because it's something that wherever they're from, they've never heard of that being done before. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, so it, uh, it almost gives your community folks something to also additionally be proud of, that they have a place that they visit called their social gathering place that also represents some history that they can bring their friends to. And I just think that that's so Amazing. I, I mean, I've seen it time and time again how people seem to regurgitate that that story um, to others, and that's you know kind of I don't know just just, just overwhelms me sometimes sometimes to see it. Now it's no secret to people who know me well and may listen on the program on a regular basis that I do do a weekly program for you all there, and I think from uh, a, a, a presenter of something and to an audience of yours. I have to say that they appreciate this bar so much because they are such well-behaved people. I I mean, I have never, you know, seen such appreciation for what's going on that that you're offering there. Even when there's things that they, you know, whether it be a sound issue or whatever, they seem to be able to, to represent what they want, their complaint or their concern, I guess is a better way of saying it, to you in such a, a great way. No one's, you know, out of joint. Um, they say what they need to say in a polite way, and they continue to enjoy the environment. You know what I mean? They don't let that ruin their their time. But, you know, just let you know, hey, this, you know, this 
this is kind of going on and it probably should be fixed or whatever. And they say it in a way that's very respectful. And I, I really have enjoyed mm-hmm. that, um, um, you know, altogether. But since we're talking about the programming, I know that people wanted to have a community bar and they wanted to have a bar, like you said, that wasn't your your boy bar, your your gay boy bar. I know you've had events there that are not LGBTQ um, specific, but LGBTQ inclusive. And um, with that being said, um, you know, you are doing programming where everyone in the Oakland community beyond I mean, I know you're paying attention to the LGBT community, but even beyond would feel comfortable being there. So why don't we talk about some of the things that you already have going on now, the things that you're hoping to also bring on board? Yeah, I would uh, thank you for that. We have, uh, you know, we've done, we, we were purposely waiting for Oakland Pride in the first two months or so of operation before we started uh, revealing things and started our official programming. Uh, RuPaul and Drag Race got us off uh, to a jump start with that, but we are happy because uh, it is like one of our most popular nights, and uh, yes, they are coming to see BB Sweetbriar. We know that. Um, no, they're not, but that's okay. Built <laughs> the community, but um, Saturday nights have been our Sunday dance party, and they say um, we've had all sorts of DJs from the Bay Area with followings, uh, some who are uh, gay, some who are lesbian, some who are straight identified uh, and, you know, have played in the community uh, for years. And you see that it's such an eclectic mix of people here on Saturdays. Uh, we just uh, launched our Girl Scout Wednesdays. Our head bartender, uh, Sabrina, is uh, from the Bay Area originally, and uh, spent 10 years in New York where she worked at Stonewall and created these Girl Scout parties, which developed huge followings, and now she she brought that here, and we have that on Wednesday. And again, that came from the community as to the night. We mm-hmm. were, so many women have come in here and be like, you know, give us a midweek event. Oakland is used to lesbian events being in the evening, but let's start early. We, mm-hmm. have, we have things to do the next day. And so that's how we uh, developed uh, Girl Scout Wednesday. And uh, we are just starting with some Sunday parties. DJ Hawthorne uh, is going to be here this Sunday. Um, and he is fun at the end up and, you know, just about right. every place in San Francisco. We're so excited to have him here. Uh, back here, actually. Uh, he brought a good crowd to, right when we first opened. Um, and now we're going to start those leftover parties again. And then you also now are doing your um, first Saturday of the month, your karaoke yeah. charity um, yeah. event, which is, you know, another thing that's, uh, um, you know, speaks to your giving back to the community and you have space there for people to raise money in a really fun and innovative way. I don't think I've ever heard of a fundraising karaoke before I heard you guys. So that's that's kind of um you know, interesting and, and fun. But the one thing, and one thing, I, I, you mentioned all those fun things and all those great things. I want people to understand, too, the way the bar is set up because they haven't been out there, and we, we're, we're running quick out of time here, but I'm going to mention yeah. this quickly, is that, is that um, as you walk into the front of the bar, there is that, uh, you mentioned that bathroom um, crate that kind of divides 
the bar into two sections, the lounge on one side and, of course, the front bar on the other. And when you're in the lounge where many of these parties that you're talking about actually are held, that it doesn't disrupt the ability for people who just want to come and sit at the bar and chit-chat and talk to their friends or, you know, talk to the bartenders or whatever to have that time. Um, you know, I know we, with RuPaul's Drag Race, we're, we're running TV as well, with music and everything like that. When we come, I come into the front of the bar many times. I haven't been there for most of that evening, and I'll come to the bar, and I'm just amazed at how many people are are even sitting in the front of the bar like oh my god yeah. i thought we were packed in the back we're packed in the front you know um <laughs> and i think that's what really speaks well to how you are able to do that you know and 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 keep to give people perspective who are like well you know i'm not really into the party scene thing i kind of just want to chill a little bit you can do that at the part while something is going on in the back you know bb i want to mention that the port bar is Oakland's LGBT center, but with alcohol. <laughs> okay, I love that. Because, because it doesn't have one center. We doesn't have a center, and we'll talk about that on another program. But um, that's a good way. I love how you said that. That The Port Bar is the LGBTQ center that happens to serve alcohol. I love that. I love that. That has a bar. I love that. I'm going to keep, let's coin that. Can we coin that? Um, yeah, guys, you know, I'm really sorry that we have to, to go. Um, um, we could, I could go on and on, but that just gives us another reason to bring you back a little later on in either year or the beginning of next year to see how things are going. Um, now we can go to the website for some brief information, which is the portbar.com or it's, it's port bar Oakland. Oh, portbaroakland.com. Um, yeah. And we, you can also find us on Facebook uh, at One Gay Drink because we are celebrating Oakland one gay drink at a time. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And, um, and anybody that's out there, you are off of, that are uh, uh, in the Bay Area and coming on BART, you are off of the 19th Street BART stop and literally yeah. off of it. Yeah, when you come up clean. above ground, you are across the street next to the Paramount Theater. And to me, it's the easiest thing to get to. Yeah. Very easy. So none of you have an excuse about, I don't care if you come from San Jose, you have no excuse that you haven't been by the port bar. It's really worth the trip, any of you out there. I want to thank you guys again, Sean Sullivan and Richard Fuentes of the port bar in Oakland here on It's Everything. We're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll be back with my next guest. Hi, I'm Chuck Spence. I'm the owner of the Maui Sunseeker LGBT Resort, and I'm also vice president of Maui Pride. It's not just the only LGBT resort in Maui, it's the only LGBT resort in all of Hawaii, which is really kind of amazing. Maui Sunseeker actually started years and years before I even got involved. I came along as one of the owners a little bit later in, in life. I came to Maui back in 1978 and absolutely loved the island. I fell in love and I thought, this is where I want to live, this is where I want to be. And so from 1978 until 2008, 
I finally came alive with the dream and bought the Maui Sunseeker because I realized that this would be the next step in my life and um, thought that this would be an ideal situation because I could do something that, that was my own business rather than making money for other people. It's important to have a place where you know you can feel comfortable about yourself, you can feel loved, and you can feel welcomed by everybody. And I think that that's the ambiance that we try to create. And, and that's the message that, that we try to deliver in all of our ads and trying to bring people to Maui, is that you know we're not just an experience on Maui, we're an experience of Maui. When you think back years ago, how closeted we used to be, and you think about how suppressed we were back then to how open and accepting we are now. And, and it's, it's a good progression for society. It's good that people are, are not just you know, tolerating, but appreciating diversity. And that's the message, is that we really need to make sure that, that people appreciate diversity. I think that whoever you are, follow your passion. Follow what you believe in. Follow whether it leads you down the path of art or whether it leads you down a path of business or you know, some other aspect of internet creativity. Um, follow that and, and just be passionate about what you do. Spotlight on Success and Achievement is brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. Well, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to It's Everything with me, your hostess, B.B. Sweetbriar. Once again, we are the Sunday weekly edition of the Michelle Meow Show, and we've been spending this episode here on Sunday, October 9th. That's what we are. Um, uh, with the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area nightlife, that's been our focus for uh, this whole episode, and we previously... Um, had on the phone with us uh, two gentlemen out of Oakland who just recently opened a brand new bar there that is definitely the hottest spot in all of the Bay Area, the Port Bar. And we were speaking with Sean Sullivan and Richard Fuentes, who are the uh, respective owners of the club at, at Bar. And it was really nice to have them on the phone to really talk about the community involvement that it took to open the bar and uh, how the bar represents that involvement. Um, and being a visitor and a participant in a program there, I can very much say that it um, is such a representation of Oakland. Uh, in all of its positive glory. So um, if you haven't been there, definitely get a chance to go off of BART Station, the 19th Street exit. And you can also go to their website at uh, portbaroakland.com. Um, but now I want to move on to uh, our more my, my local roots here in San Francisco and definitely talk to our next guest who, um, when you talk about nightlife here in San Francisco, you cannot... Uh, talk about it without having this person in the conversation in some fashion or shape or form. Um, not only is he a billboard recording artist um, and performer, uh, lending his talent to so many um, events, both um, uh, charity and non-charity events here in the city. He's also a former uh, bar venue owner 
and has recently started um, his own production company and has already undertaken so many wonderful events with that company. And so um, I want to bring to our show Mr. Brian Kent. How are you? I'm great. How are you, baby? I'm fine, thank you. It's been a little bit since I've seen you last because we were on a wonderful boat in uh, the bay with your wonderful Fulsome uh, Sunset Cruise. Yes. Okay. That, that is a, a wonderful event. You know, go to speak of something that, you're, that you produce, and you've been doing that one for two years for um, – different uh, event uh, times, but um, a wonderful event that I, I mentioned to your co-producer on that, um, Chris Hastings, that I think um, this is going to become one of those San Francisco treat events that, unfortunately, you're going to have to do until the day you die. <laughs> <laughs> you know what well, I mean? No problem. I mean, <laughs> we, really, we really have a fun, you know, it's not often that you produce events, especially one that you produce, you know, over and over repetitively that. You know, each time it, it really is something different and new. Um, even though it's you know it's the same boat and DJ and lighting, it it just it really it is a new unique experience every time. Going under the Golden Gate Bridge and as you remember and the Bay Bridge and just seeing the skyline at night is just so it's it's just so beautiful that you just you don't ever really get sick of it. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, I wanted to take this opportunity to actually you know, I wanted to bring you on the show because I really haven't had an opportunity to kinda spend some quality time with you about your transition um from being the club bar owner of Beatbox into, you know, your new hat. Even though you've been doing this that your your production, you know, which is now Brian Kent pr- uh, production uh, company, you've been doing that somewhat, but now this is like this is your new baby, so to speak, and you're you're you know you're starting out in your baby room, which I know it's going to grow into this thing's going to own its own you know mansion sooner or later. But um, but you know we we've never really talked about you know how that all came about and moving out of um of the ownership of a club into what you're doing now. And I think what what threw a lot of people off is because it happened so quickly. You know, one day. Uh, beatbox was open and thriving in the next, you know, and you guys just kind of got this opportunity um, to, to sell it, you know, and hey, honey, I know how it is. When that right dollar amount hits you, sometimes you got to evaluate, you know? What I mean? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you got to evaluate, and for you guys sure. did that. And but this allowed you to do so many great things that you have now embarked upon. And um, so, kind of tell me how you know your thought process was. Were you already kind of thinking about this move, or you know what was going on? Well, you know, I mean, I'd always uh, you know been been kind of in the interest of production and producing events, as you said. I've been doing some of these things while I did own the nightclub, and you know, it was it was a side of the business that I really enjoyed. I mean, being a singer-songwriter, being a creative person, I, you know, I enjoy creating things and producing things. And, you know, when you own a brick-and-mortar business, there's a lot more to it. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot more that comes along with it. It's not the creative side. So, you know, being in a position of having to deal with, you know, broken sinks and toilets and payroll and employee issues, and it just, it kind of brings a whole new ball of wax. And it was kind of, you know, it was the part of it that that wasn't necessarily my favorite part. Um, so I think, you know, leading up to the sale, which, you know, I kind of knew was in the works, you know, way back in, in April, May, um, you know, a few months before we actually announced it, obviously, because you can't announce it until it was, until it was solid. Um, you know, I started to kind of say, this is, I think, the direction that I want to go. And, and it was a very natural transition. You know, it was just, 
it was very natural for me to go to someone who was, you know, had events at one location and was in nightlife and new performers and promoters and DJs to kind of take that to a different place. Um, and beatbox certainly over the last four, four years of, of being there, um, you know, was uh, the venue and the and the and the vehicle for which you know I could I could actually you know be able to do this. So mm-hmm. it was it was a very natural transition for me. And <clears throat> as you know, I mean, straight out of the gate, you know, within thirty days of us even closing, I was. Um, conceiving and um, directing the whole closing party for Dory Alley Weekend with Bolton Street Events. And, um, you know, it was just exciting for me to be able to create and to conceptualize ideas and parties and bring things to a, a different level. So it, yeah. it's been super exciting. And, and now it's branched off into all kinds of different things beyond just, you know, parties or circuit parties. You know, I helped promote Bianca Del Rio's movie. I helped promote, uh, you know, her, her tour when she was here in San Francisco. Um, I've had the opportunity to kind of do a, a few different fun things. I produced an event just recently over Folsom Street at the Armory called Divine Deviance, which was a kickoff for uh, a new documentary film that's being made. Uh, so I was able to, you know, kind of create a whole another kind of event. So it's it's just been really, um, a, really a lot of a lot of fun, and uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't be happier. Well, you know that. what? What's because your name came up in a conversation that I had actually just last night. Um, and in a, in a positive light in that when when you look at Brian Kent Productions, when I look at it and I look at who's behind that name, there's not really anything that you do within that that um, moniker that you really haven't really done before. I mean, it's like you're you're you've been a past venue successful venue owner. You are a performer, so you understand even when you're working with people like Bianca Del Rio, you understand the needs of those performers. Since you are um, a record label owner, you know how to promote. You know the exposure that's needed. You know all those nuances that go into that part of working with artists and all of that. You you have, you know mentioned the venue, have all of that. So you you know about lighting. You know about um catering you know about you know you know all of that you know what i'm saying and then um having been an active community member from a charity standpoint you know the what you need to do to pull off a great um community event you know all of that kind of stuff and that's rare to find i think from a production company standpoint you normally have you know, five or six people who may feel all of that, but you have all of that in you, kind of, sort of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right. When, when you put it in that perspective, it, it kind of, you know, it, it definitely, you know, the production company <clears throat> is kind of the joining of all these different experiences that I've had. And, and you know, when I, even when I had my nightclub, you know, and I would have people like, you know, Anaya Day, uh, Crystal Waters, Kristen W., even if these performers come in, they knew that they were going to be treated, you know, mm-hmm. top-notch because I know how I wanted to be treated when I was performing mm-hmm. and running around in nightclubs and still do when, when, I, when I perform. So, and I'm still doing that. So you're right. I, and I, so I've had all these different experiences, and I, I, what I try to do is, like, you know, bring them together into this one, into this one business and hopefully, you know, have a production company that does understand 
all aspects of it and isn't compartmentalized like you see so much. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's people that are just producers and that's what they do and they're promoters or there's people that are directors, there's people that are performers. But, but to kind of have all of that in one fall absolutely is advantageous because, like you said, I mean, I, I kind of have a little insight into all the world. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 I've been very lucky and that's, you know, that's kind of why I said, you know, that uh, owning the nightclub is as tough as it was. It was, you know, it's a tough business and, and, and just when I say tough, I mean being there till six o'clock in the morning, dealing with employees, dealing with you know uh, patrons that are that are under the influence, and all of that. It, it it was a an invaluable experience for me to be able to have that insight now that I learned and gained from you know from owning that venue. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm very grateful for all these experiences that I've had. Well, we're going to take a quick uh, break, Brian, but when I come back, we're going to delve a little bit more into some of the things that you can talk about that you're working on. And also, I want to tap your mind a little bit about uh, nightlife here in San Francisco, as it particularly pertains to the LGBT community, because, you know, there's that's been on the table quite a bit lately. Um, so um, I'll be right back with Brian Kent here on It's Everything right after this. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Hey, it's Michelle Miao. It's hard these days not to get a question about when I'm getting married or when I'm having kids. I get it. Marriage equality is legal now. I'm in my 30s and in a committed relationship. Marriage may not have a time limit, but what about having kids? I have a lot I want to accomplish before growing my family, like becoming the next Oprah. If I want to wait, what are my options? Join myself and our partner Pacific Fertility Center for a free seminar on egg freezing November 3rd from 6 to 8 p.m. Register at PacificFertilityCenter.com. Space is limited, so register now. That's PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. Okay, okay, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Welcome back, everyone. I I'm, I'm hope you've been with us the entire program because we've had some wonderful guests um, uh, early on, and we definitely have a fabulous guest with me now on the phone with Brian Kent of Brian Kent Productions. I can say that now. I love that. It's not, it's not a beatbox. I don't have to say that, you know? Um, I know, yeah, you can. I know, right? And, um, you know, as we were, you know, talking, you you. You've kind of, um, you know, hit the pavement running um, with this company because you had already been working, like you said, with Beatbox with different types of productions, you know, some parties and other events that you were doing on there. But now this is your, you know, has your full attention and full focus. So the month right after the closed closure of Beatbox, you know, you had a major event at Doriale and then you just finished something at Folsom. And, and now what are you moving into? 
Yeah, um, so, you know, October is going to be a very exciting month. There's um, kind of a lot going on. Uh, I have a new, um, I'll say a new tea dance in that it's uh, it's something that I wanted to try. It's not necessarily an ongoing thing, but on the 16th, I'm doing a Castro uh, tea dance, which, you know, Castro was the original place where tea dances started. It's where people came together, mm-hmm. certainly back in the 70s, um, to be able to meet people and be out and be comfortable and, uh, you know, we all know that history, and, you know, things have changed, obviously, over the years, and, you know, I kind of wanted to bring back that kind of organic feeling that you had when you kind of went into a bar, and there was a little dance floor, and you had maybe three or four DJs that were there, and they all just kind of took turns, and, and you know, it was it was just this organic set that ended up happening, and it wasn't something that was like, this person's on from 12 to 2, and this person's on, you know. Right. So I asked a, a bunch of, a couple of DJs that I know, and I said, hey, I'm doing this thing. It's 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., which is very, very old school tea time. And, uh, That's real tea time. Room. That's real tea real time. Real tea time, <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and I said, come on by, and, um, you know, let's just, let's just have some fun and just play music and get excited and, and, and have those things that happen. I mean, I remember, uh, I remember an event where you were at, actually. I can't remember the exact event. Excuse me, and um, you've got oh, it was, I believe it was uh, Anthem, which is uh, part yeah. of with Ty Martinez, and you and it was like Deborah Cox came on or something, and you just you got on stage and you were listening, worked it out, and <laughs> and people thought, oh, this is like you know, this is a planned no because it was that on and that good and that perfect, and you know, I, I you threw something in the audience at some point, I don't remember, but people were crazy, and I'm like. You know, that's, that's kind of what used to happen. Right. You know, I remember right. being in Fire Island and, you know, suddenly just, you know, Kevin, Judy would play something and Kevin Aviance would come out and just start performing. You right. Know? It wasn't even, wasn't even necessarily this planned thing um, at times, but it was just so organic that it was, it was exciting. And yeah. so I just wanted to kind of bring something back. So on the 16th, which is a Sunday, um, myself, Ashley May, Russ Rich, Stephanie Phillips, we're all going to just have some fun and hope people come by and say hi and, uh, have a little tea dance. And then um, this following weekend, we have, um, I'm, I'm working with, um, I just want to fucking dance. So I'm working with them, um, which is a party that used to be at my old venue, mm-hmm. uh, that now is at a new venue that I'm working with. So I'm helping with that. Um, and then the next day is The Edge, which is a bar here in Castro. It's their 23rd anniversary. Um, no, 23rd, 15th anniversary, I think, uh, for this particular this particular uh, birthing of it. And so there's a big anniversary thing happening. And earlier that day, I'm actually DJing at the lookout from 3 to 6. Lord have mercy. Yeah, so that's a busy weekend. Um, so that's the 22nd and 23rd. And then um, on the, the following weekend, which is Halloween weekend, there's an event called Brute. And Brute also used to be at my venue. And I'm working with them. Um, so I was able to kind of keep some of these relationships and take them to a different place. Um, and they're having an event um, at uh, the venue that I'm working with, and uh, so it's yeah, it's a it's a it's a busy it's a busy month. Gosh, you are so. I don't know about you talking about you know having to stay up until four and five in the morning. I think you're probably still doing that. Sounds like to me, you know. <laughs> well, it doesn't seem like you're getting too much rest. Nice, yes. You know, that's, that's crazy. That is so crazy. It's like, but you know what I have to do? You did take a little bit of time off this summer, just a little bit where you were giving yourself a little bit time to breathe and go enjoy the world and do a little bit of traveling, which I'm so glad to see that you have done because, um, all the other traveling you've been doing as of late were really work related. It really wasn't any enjoyment time you were you know going to perform somewhere or to host some event or whatever but you have had a little bit of time to between 
the sale and all that kind of stuff to get a little bit of you time. And I'm really glad to see that you've done that. Yeah, it was it was really it was really nice, and it was long overdue. So it was kind of nice to have a quick reset and then you know get right. back into the grind. So. But, well, you know, I wanted to, to kind of, you know, with all the stuff that you are doing and all that you have done in our community here in San Francisco, even before you moved here, you were a constant visitor and knew a lot of people and you would be here and, you know, and see the scene and the nightlife. And then having been a part of a bar for four years, um, a, a, a very popular place that saw the comings and goings of many uh, parties and, and things of that nature. But, you know, it seems like we were, we're running into this age, and you mentioned it, how things have changed and it's harder to get people to go out anymore um, and to have these organic experiences that you're hoping are going to happen at your at QT. And, and um, you know, what, what, what do you see as a production person, not only for our parties uh, per se, but just as our whole social network as the LGBTQ community progresses in time here in San Francisco, what do we need to do as a community to, to, to get back on that thriving tip again? I'm not for sure we're thriving as we used to be. I think we're kind of maintaining and trying to stabilize, but I'd like to see us kind of thrive again. Um, do you have any thoughts Absolutely. about that? Well, you know, uh, over the years, obviously, you know, we, we have seen things change, obviously with the internet and dating apps and things like that. People have, not had to engage mm -hmm. with each other uh, on a personal face-to-face -face level. And that has changed the scene. And I don't just mean it in the sense of, well, people don't go out as much or people don't go to parties as much and, or the circuit parties are dying and people... I, I mean, there, it's still out there and it's still happening. And I, I do think there's a shift coming back, mm -hmm. um, which I'm happy to see. But I think for so long... You know, it just, we stopped engaging with each other. We stopped looking up and we stopped meeting each other. And when you stop talking to people face to face and meeting people and, and you know, shaking their hands or hugging them or looking into their eyes, you know, you lose uh, a certain, uh, you obviously lose a certain amount of, of strength within a community because you're not, you're not engaging with each other. And I think, you know, that, that definitely, definitely has happened over time. Um, and I think that, uh, it, 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 it was something that we went through, but I also think that people now are kind of getting over not engaging. I think I see people a little bit more and more starting to feel like they enjoy going out, they enjoy seeing people face-to-face. -face. I mean, it's still out there, but I hear over and over and over, especially from, you know, uh, younger gay generation that, you know, like they're, they're getting sick of the apps or they don't use the apps or they hardly ever go on the app. Mm -hmm. um, not that they're not there, not that they're not still very alive and kicking, but it's just, I think there's a slight trend coming back towards the energy of being face-to-face -face with people. I mean, even, even drugs have changed. I mean, when you, when you look into a scene, you know, they've become very disassociative. They've become very individual as opposed to, you know, back in the 70s, um, you know, in the 80s, I mean, people did drugs to be happy and unite and, mm -hmm. and, and be a part of a community and have fun, and, and you know, when you look now, it's very disassociative. When we have a serious problem with GHB in our community, and people are stepping back, and they're withdrawing, and they're becoming disassociative, and that, that can lead to something very dangerous, mm -hmm. not only for an individual, but for a community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I hope that, you know, there's a trend coming back, and I, I will certainly keep trying to promote events 
that are like QT, that are, you know, uh, and supporting events, mm-hmm. that even, you know, they're not mine, supporting events that, you know, are really trying to, to, to put us, you know, get us back together in a room, engaging with each other and, and not, you know, not withdrawing and not being in a room. And yet, you know, you could be in a room of 500 people and yet be very alone. Right, and, that, and that's not what you felt in the seventies. That's why you wouldn't necessarily. I keep referring to the seventies because it was so different, you know, twenty, thirty years ago, and or more than that now. Sorry, forty years ago, thirty-four <laughs> years ago. But here's the thing, you know, you, you never used to go out into a room in the age when I was coming out. You know, in the late eighties, early nineties, like you, know, you went out, you were with people, you felt like right. you weren't alone. Right. And, and the and the irony is that now you go out uh, many times, or at least in the last ten years, you go out, and yet you can still feel so alone. And right. and and that's kind of defeats the purpose, and, and, and so then you, you tend to bring the drugs that go along with it, and it becomes very withdrawal, or you just don't go out, or it's simply about, you know, sex and just hooking up, and it's not about really meeting people and getting to know people, and so I, I'm, I'm hoping that as we, as myself and other promoters um, across the world, and, and certainly in San Francisco, you know, that we're, we, we try to continue to bring these events that are real and engaging, and, and, and that people can come out and and, you know, kind of get back into the world of the living. And yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Well, I, I hope I, I can see you being definitely um, a major contributor to making that happen. And, you know, I think QT, I like, you know, reading the description and on Facebook, if you're out there on Facebook, definitely there's an uh, invite um, on, on there for you to look at and get more information. But, um, you know, I also think it kind of t- goes beyond just, the nightlife, but, you know, I kind of think some of the division that we're seeing in the political climate is due to the fact that we don't communicate anymore like we used to in these social gatherings because it has allowed so much negativity to just um, get into um, our community. And when we were more informed and uncomfortable with communicating with one another, even if we didn't... um, didn't um, have the same opinions, we were able to do that in a way that was extremely respectful of one another. And that's kind of changed. And I think it's because of our inability to communicate as we once did, um, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Um, so that's my little tip. We don't on. have those conversations. You're exactly right. We don't have those conversations right. anymore because we're not face-to-face to have those conversations so often. Right. So, you know, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, let me say, San Francisco, having lived in, you know, coming from New York, I've been here four and a half years now. Uh, feels like a lot longer, but I've been here for four and a half years. And I will say this, this scene, the community here is, is very vibrant. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's, I think it's one of the most vibrant. Uh, and I've been to a lot of them. And there are other amazing cities. San Francisco definitely has something special. We definitely have a very large sense of community. We do things like flagging in the park where we go and we sit in the park together mm-hmm. and we, we, we listen to music and enjoy what we have around us. Those kind of events are very important, not just because, you know, there's a flagging community and because we're in a park and the Ace Memorial Grove. They're important because they, 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 they put us in a situation where we do have conversations. That's mm-hmm. what you do there. You sit there. And you talk to people, right. and you get to know people, and you learn, and you talk about political climate, and you talk about this and that. And, and so those kinds of things are important, and, and definitely San Francisco, I believe, fosters that, you know, uh, and not only the most, but definitely, you know, more than a lot, a lot of things. Right. And, and I, I think it's a great thing that we have here, and we just keep doing it. I mean, this scene is very vibrant. There's always something going on. 
there's always a place to be. There's always something happening where you can go and be with people and talk to people uh, any night of the week, basically. Well, I'm going to have to end on, on that note, Brian, but I want to tell the world you need to tap into Brian Kent Productions any way that you can. Please, when you come to San Francisco to visit, if you're not from here, look up an event that has his name on top of it because you are bound to have a great time. Um, thank you for being on the show, Brian, and I will see you at your event at QT. And until next week, ladies and gentlemen, peace be with you. See you later.